In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I have another conference preview for you. This time, my co-host is Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stayman. He is going to talk about his top NBA prospects in the Big Ten. So stay tuned to find out who is Richard's number one prospect in the Big Ten. I think it's it's pretty much debatable. I don't know if there's a, a, a surefire number one guy. So find out who Richard has number one. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And like I mentioned in the open, my co-host for today is Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft. Please like, share, subscribe, comment, give us a rating. That is the best way to help us grow the YouTube channel. And like I said, thank you for making us your first listen of the day, whether it's in the car, on the way to work, in the gym. We appreciate each and every listen. And college basketball is right around the corner. It starts this weekend, or I guess the first games are on Monday. But we've seen some preseason games. And so Richard is here to share his thoughts on the Big Ten. And before we get into the prospects, what is your overall thoughts on the the prospects in the big 10 as a whole it's not top heavy uh in fact it's quite the opposite like i i struggle to see a true top first round pick in this in that conference which is crazy but at the same time i could see like i mean really double digit big 10 guys going second round it's it's that like you have zach edies of the world who are probably going to get taken in the second round anywhere from really literally 31 to 58 i think however many there are this year and there's several of those guys. There's upside plays, there's floor plays, and then there's just some in between. But it's a it's a very talented conference. It's just not the star upside it's used to seeing. Is it me or is it like the Big Ten Conference not really like a one-and-done conference? I mean, I know they've had some. Michigan has had some. Indiana has had some. But it's not a conference where you see a lot of guys coming in and out. I mean, I feel like it's a, a very – veteran conference you got guys that yeah. seem like they've been there forever guys that have been on my scouting list for like three four years now are, are in the big 10 yeah it's it's a, a very old school conference in a lot of different ways and i think that's one too i mean you look at just a lot of the lottery picks that have been upper class and i feel like most of them have come from the big 10 yeah i mean i guess ohio state has been producing one and dones but it's like they have a one and done surrounded by three guys that are like six year seniors on the roster. All right, let's get to it. Who's number one. Who is your number one prospect in the big 10? Yeah. So I'm going upside on this one. And for me, I, I, I don't know what to make of this player because on one hand, he's the best athlete. Honestly, I think he's the best athlete in the world right now. That's not in the NBA, like uh, or pre-draft. That's draft eligible, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that doesn't give you an idea of who it is, the only problem with it is, Cohen Carr is uh, only 6'5", 6'6", maybe at best. And I don't know what to do with that. He's not a shooter. He's very intelligent. I think he's a good passer and a good defender. But how much can he do with that? Uh, He's not a primary guard. He's not a primary playmaker. He can just see the floor out of his explosive drives. But um, just I think teams are going to go with the upside, right, where it's he's going to get to the line because of his athleticism. He's too quick and just powerful. 
to to really stop and he can probably play multiple positions on defense it's just kind of putting it into reality so right now he's very theoretical but my goodness if you haven't seen him look up just cohen car on youtube the man can fly like i i genuinely it's not hyperbole he is the best athlete that's not in the nba that's draft eligible yeah he's a phenomenal athlete i, I just wish he were bigger because he'd be a great dunker spot for with like his passing and you know if he can just knock down a little bit of a few shots from range he, i mean he would be like probably the number one pick in this draft if he were six nine six ten because you actually just you know the athleticism i don't have him as my top big 10 prospect or top nba prospect on michigan state <laughs> oh yeah xavier booker right I think if Booker puts it all, I mean, it's more translatable if he puts it all together. I mean, his motor scares me and, and the intensity. I actually had a a basketball mind that I really respect, and he said, I don't think Izzo's going to do well with this team. It, it's too many guys that are talented. He needs a bunch of blue-collar guys that are three-star guys that are going to be around for years and that are scrappy. He's like, Michigan State has quite a few guys that could play in the NBA at some point on the team, and he just doesn't think that that uh, it's it's a typical Izzo, Izzo team. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think I generally agree. You look at a lot of what Michigan State's best successes have been, and it's Cassius Winston in his fourth year. Uh, Draymond Green was in his fourth year. You know, anybody like that, he thrives with upperclassmen. And there's a really – I just don't feel like there's a strong veteran presence on the team for some of these guys. And it's this is just like from a college winning perspective. I don't know how he's going to develop freshmen. We haven't really seen – he like Michigan State, kind of like you said at the beginning, Big Ten in general isn't a great one-and-done place, but Michigan State hasn't exactly housed a bunch of one-and-done guys. So I am curious to see how that goes. Obviously, there's like Miles Bridges and uh, – But Miles stayed two years. Oh, Miles was two years. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he was Jared? a guy that I thought right, they were... he yeah. came out. And I felt like staying the other year, his draft stock, I, th- I think his draft position will stay the same. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Jaron was, was Michigan State, right? I'm not blaming Jaron Jaren was one and done. Yeah. Yeah. They were on the same team as, as – or yeah, yeah. They were on the same team, and I think that's why I got confused. But, yeah, I mean, Jaron's really, I think, the most recent one and done, right? Like – Correct me if I'm wrong, but and even then, Jaron granted foul trouble, held him back, but I don't think Izzo knew how to maximize him. So I I am curious how that's going to go. What do you think, real quick? What do you think of Booker not having played like on any of the three major circuits? Do you think that matters? Or I mean, obviously Ace Bailey doesn't, and he's number two right now in recruiting. But curious what you think of that translating right away. Um, well, one if he if he hands out like I think he could then it's going to be like oh man we missed him because he didn't play on any of the circuits he if he doesn't which there's some people that think he could be a multi-year guy then it would be like well he hasn't played high level competition but when I watch him I I like I really like his skill set his length I think he's going to be able to shoot the ball well he has some some good passing instincts. I wish the motor was a little bit more revved up, but 
I think he could surprise people. He's the guy that, like I said, I think he could really surprise people, or he's someone that could have like a Khalil Ware type freshman season, and it would it wouldn't shock me either way. All right, who is your number two prospect in the Big Ten? It's actually Xavier Booker. That's why I asked those questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we tackled him pretty well. I I'm and I know like that not having and Khalil Ware is not my third. By the way, I just with him I want to address this up front. I got to see it to believe it. Like I get it, but what happened? We saw the flashes of the red flags in Team USA with Khalil Ware with not having a great motor. The shot wasn't there. Same thing at Oregon. Now, I will say people I know really liked what he did in practices in the preseason at Oregon. Maybe it does come together, but I'm just kind of at the wait and see approach. I'm not going to just put all my eggs in that basket just yet. I'm actually scared of bigs that don't have a great motor. I'm, I'm, it, it really worries me because having a great motor is who you are. I, I can't think of someone who I was like, he didn't have a great motor when he first got to the NBA, but now... He's got a good motor. I just think it's it's who you are. I'll use Lively, for example, and I'm not trying to make this a victory lap in a sense. Even though Lively didn't have numbers last year, I felt like despite the fact that he wasn't getting touches, he still made an impact and played hard on the defensive end. And I think that if you play hard on the defensive end, you you can probably get a guy to play a little bit harder on the offensive end if he's being rewarded. Now, with Ware's case, I've never like watched a game and been like, wow, like his motor was great that game. I've seen games where it was better than others. But then on the other hand, when you look at like his his stats, if you just put it in like per 30 when he played a lot of minutes, he was productive. So he's such a wild card in, in this draft, but I do have concerns about the motor, but that's kind of like been the knock on him for the last, I guess, two to three years. And is all of a sudden the motor going to be in high gear this year? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It, again, for me, it's just wait and see. It could be, I mean, sometimes change of scenery unlocks it. Some coaches know how to really push the right buttons. But uh, we've talked about this so much, right? Like his motor is skill. Is it something that can be taught? I think there's elements to it. I think you can increase your motor, but I don't think you can go from not having a motor to like, there's very, like you said, there's very few examples, right? One of the guys that I think has gotten better at it. He didn't fully fix it. Like I I think even now it limits him sometimes is Andre Drummond, right? Andre Drummond had motor issues coming out of UConn and granted amazing rebounder didn't stop him there, but it wasn't. It, it was one of those things where it's like, could you, if you went a hundred percent all the time, you would be even more dominant, but he was content playing at a, like at a decent level, more than the highest level, every single, not like a uh, skill wise, but you know, just motor wise. And you have motor issues and be a great rebounder though. Cause to me, you're, you're and that's, doing something. You're going right. after the ball. Well, there's definitely guys uh, in the NBA. I, I won't name any that I think of, but there are definitely some that I do think have extremely empty rebound numbers for whatever that's worth. Yeah. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about a few more prospects in the Big Ten. But I want to talk to you about Prize Picks. And Prize Picks was actually today's sponsor that I totally forgot to mention in the open. The Prize Picks is it's, it's daily fantasy made easy. 
and it is the easiest and the most exciting way to play fantasy sports. And if you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code in all lowercase, it has to be all lowercase, locked on NBA, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. So you probably are wondering what is prize picks? And like I said, it's daily fantasy made easy. And all you have to do is pick two to six players and you are just predicting the stat projections. It's just you against the projections. You're not playing against anyone. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball in a specials league. It's a league that is created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can say LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. How fun is that? If you want to play along some, along some of Prize Picks' favorite players like Meek Mill and Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community as well. So here's some examples. Would you say... Steph Curry for more than 29 points and Nikola Jokic for more than 10 rebounds. Or you can say Anthony Davis for more than two blocks and Damian Lillard for more than four three-pointers per game. And with Price Picks, all you have to do is download the app. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. And if you use the promo code LockedOn, again, lowercase, you get a first deposit match up to $100. Again, pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, once again, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Basketball season is finally here. But before the season kicks off, we have a few more conference previews. Richard is going to do the ACC. We still have the Big East to cover, and we're also going to cover the mid-majors. So, so tune in to Locked On NBA Big Board for the best draft coverage out. All right, we left off talking about Andre Drummond and and motors and empty stats. And and, and basically, we started talking about motor when we talked about Kalel Ware. Best case scenario, what type of year does he have? I mean, I think he averages a double-double. Gets like, what, two blocks a game and block and a half. I think... The one thing that might get in his way with some of those stats, though, is, I mean, don't forget, I I think this guy's been an entirely big-time sleeper. He was a top-30 recruit last year. Is Malik Renault, if I believe I'm saying his name right. He is about 6'9", give or take an inch. Pretty skilled with in terms of footwork. Um, Needs some work offensively, but I do think just the raw talent with the physicals is pretty uh, intriguing. And I think that might get in the way a little bit of, of uh, Kalel Ware because bo- both those guys have to develop. Okay. All right. Who's all right, so, so like best case scenario, at least for me, best case scenario for Kalel Ware would be he's blocking shots and he's showing flashes of the three point shooting. Now, I think that he has the touch, but if he makes like 35% of his threes and blocking shots, you, you never know. I mean, we, we saw. Alexander Saar, a guy that we all had questions about his motor and his intensity and his impact, kind of changed his whole reputation in, in like three over three days. Who's to say Khalil Ware can't do the same thing? Yeah. 
All right, who's yeah. the next prospect in the Big Ten on, on your list? So I'm going to go with somebody who I, I go back and forth with all the time. He's a in theory 3 and D guy. It uh, feels like he's one of these guys that's been in college forever. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. He was at Texas Tech. Never really was a big fan of his game, but I just I think he's one of those guys that he's quick. He's pretty athletic. He has shooting touch. Uh, the consistency is still a red flag. Like he's going to be, uh, it's not his junior is now a senior year or fifth year. I can't remember. I know he's near the end of his look. He's one way or another. He's a senior. And <laughs> I know that if you are not consistent in college through the year four, it, it's hard to take that jump in year five and actually prove that it was real. He could be somebody that's an exception to that rule. So if that is the case, the defense is there. The quickness is there. It's something that could every team could use. I think he's somebody on that on that mix in that mix. What's crazy is I remember the day I did my first Terrence Shanning scouting report, and it was the same day I did a scouting report on Jalen Suggs. <laughs> and so I want to say that was like 2020, maybe. Yeah, it had to have been. So yeah, it was 2020 because Suggs was in the 21 draft, if I'm not mistaken. Had to have been yep. yeah. So and he's a totally different player than he was and i'm talking about um shannon so his first year at texas tech he just did not shoot threes he scored a lot on the baseline in the dunker spot and then his last year at illinois it's like he's been shooting a lot of threes he's someone that maybe and i don't get why he keeps coming back to school but he's someone that maybe the role that he's this this takeover lead role that we want to see out of him in college it's not going to be his role in the NBA so it's almost like your game is suited to be a role player just yep. go to the NBA and play the role that you're going to play because and, and I could pretty much say the same about his teammate Coleman Hawkins I feel like those are two guys that you're wanting them to like I don't, I don't want to say they haven't been good, but every year you're like wanting more out of them. At least for me, I just am not getting what I think that they can do, but I feel like, and, and maybe the, the transition is easier for them because we want them to be college like stars. I shouldn't say we, yep. but me, I want them to be like college stars, but maybe, like I said, it's just best for them to go to the NBA. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. It's, it's kind of the thing though, where it's like, it's easy to scale down a game. And in that way, like one of Terrence Shannon's flaws, I think in college, at least is something that may not plague him much in the NBA. He just plays too fast. And for me, with a lot of those guys, I'm like, well, if you're playing too fast in in college, like the NBA is quicker. Like, how are you going to slow your game down? But at the same time, it's different for everyone. Like the the environment really just shapes uh, guys so much differently from person to person. Even though I think you need to add some pace, like going to Mavs games, I just want Josh Green to have some pace. I'm like, look, you play too fast. <laughs> Luca plays too slow. Can you guys just <laughs> – I mean, Josh Green just – I mean, you love the fact that he's playing hard, but it's like, ah, add some some pace to your game. But, yeah, I mean, Terrence Shannon, I mean, I, I, I feel like – the the knock with him early was he wasn't a shooter. He's definitely worked on his shot. He's a, a respectable shooter. You, you have to guard him. But I just feel like 
uh, I, I thought he'd be gone by now. And I don't even know why coming back to school, I yeah. don't know how it's even going to improve his draft stock. And so it just makes me wonder, like, is it a situation where he came back to school because the NIL money was more guaranteed than it would have been if he were, he would have been a two-way guy at the minimum. And so I wonder, does it just outweigh of like, oh yeah, I probably can make more money in NIL than being a, a two-way guy. Yeah. And I mean, in a worse draft class too. And I still don't think it's going to have an impact. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to have an impact because Yes, this class isn't as strong, but I think because the class isn't as strong, maybe a team like Denver, which likes to take, you know, some some guys that are veterans that can come in and help, even though they did take Peyton Watson. But I just think that because it's a, such a strong international class, I think teams are going to probably take guys that are young with higher, would they believe have higher upsides that are international guys and just stash them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a weird draft class, too. I mean, it's just so unpredictable. Yeah, that was a long Terrence Shannon <laughs> <laughs> segment. All right, when we return, we got to cover the rest of the top prospects in the Big Ten. But let's talk about FanDuel. NFL season is in full swing. We're almost at the halfway point. And FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, if you're looking... If you are looking to join FanDuel, there's not a better time to get on the action because if you are a new customer, you get a $150 bonus bet with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. And the app is so easy to use because there is a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NBA season and the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and Locked On. All right, last segment. We've talked about Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr, Khalil Ware, Terrence Shannon. Who is next on your list in the top prospects in the Big Ten? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with just a safe one here. I'm going to say Zach Eadie. I don't know what to do with him because bigs are so hard to figure out how quickly, how easily they translate. And Zach Eadie is unique because he's already just so dominant in the post that Purdue doesn't need him to do anything else. Like it'd be bad practice just for Purdue themselves to, to really even move him away from the paint because he's just that efficient. But the free throw touch is there. He measured very well at the combine. Um, a ridiculous wingspan. I think it was like, what, 7'10 or something. Um, moved well. Dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> humongous. And, he, and he's nimble. Like, he can move on the... I, I don't know how practical it is, but at least in theory, like, he did well in the, in the agility drills. Like, it was a lot better than you'd hope. Like, given his reputation of not being some, like, super switchable big, he did pretty well. So he's, I think, next up on my list. I think I found a solution. All right. So they got Samford, Moorhead State, and Texas Southern. Those are like three of their first five games. Let Edie shoot threes those games, run some pick and pops for him. But once you get into like Big Ten play, you know, like the game against Gonzaga, go back to like doing what you do on the block. But if they are 
trying to showcase that he can space the floor a little bit, I would do it early in the season in, in those games that, you know, they should win. But this is Purdue. <laughs> so they they don't always uh well, I guess it's only in the postseason where they don't beat the teams that they should beat. But that's that's to me, that's like the, the perfect balance because I don't want to see him shooting threes to try to help his draft stock in conference play when every game counts and every game matters. Maybe if it's some blowouts, but you can't stop Zach Eady in the paint. So you're you're really bailing the defense out if you're trying to turn him into a floor spacer. But I just don't know what he could do for an encore. I mean, he like swept every award last year. You can make a case and say he had one of the more most st- statistically dominant seasons yep. in recent memory. I mean, can he improve those numbers? I mean, I'm sure he would trade uh, lower numbers for a deeper tournament run, but he's to me, he's kind of like a no win situation because if the numbers drop to like 25 and 10, then people may say, Oh, well he didn't get better. Why did he come back to school? So it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Do you think there's anyone that can challenge him for player of the year? Uh, I think he's, he's a pretty heavy favorite for a reason. Yeah, I mean Drew Timmy's gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, like who would be who would be the one that would challenge him for and Oscar's gone. Oscar's <laughs> gone. I mean, maybe Baycott. He's been there, but it's not gonna be him. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> been around With long. All due respect. Yeah. I mean, so would you take him in the second round if you're let's say Dallas Mavericks? Zach Eady? Yeah. Oh, easy, easily, easily. I think, I think having somebody again, just the physical tools, like he's more than just a big dude who sits at the paint, like on both ends, the yeah. free throw touch is there. You, you can foul him and he's not a liability. Like he's easily a second round gamble. Do you think that a team, especially a playoff team would say, we're going to take Zach Eady because we may have to face Nikola Jokic in the playoffs at some point. Not saying Edie can stop Jokic, but if you have a big body, you, like, like throw City. at him for six fouls, to me that I could yeah. see. I mean, Oklahoma City is the prime example of that, right? Where you got Chet Holmgren. They played him earlier this week. Chet Holmgren got dominated physically. Like it was it every was so time. Easy. Yeah. I mean, Chet got his numbers too, but it just looked so easy. (laughs) It wasn't his fault though. Like it wasn't Chet's fault. Like like to go a little bit off topic here, it wasn't Chet's fault. Like they have nobody to absorb his hits. And if you're in that same situation, which a lot of teams, it's not just a Chet thing. Like there's a lot of that where it's other teams, they can't absorb Jokic and the big bodies. You need someone there. I think someone like Oklahoma city is actually the best example of who, who should take him. Yeah. That, that makes them. I mean, golden state, I mean, because I, I think Phoenix. Nah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if 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 Golden State, he is. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis played well a couple of days ago. Yeah, he played really good. But I just wonder, like, like back in the day when the Thunder traded for Kendrick Perkins, not because they thought Kendrick Perkins was this this great player. It was more so of 
if we're going to get out the West, we need to stop Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol yep. because one of those guys is going to be on the floor at yeah. all times. So you needed someone to, you know, lean on those guys and at least challenge them. And I wonder, our team's going to start doing that for Jokic? And could Zach Eady be that type of wild card? I like it. All right. Do you mind if I, uh, if I give a couple more names real fast? Yep. So I got two kids from Iowa that I actually really like. One of them is a returning player. They're brothers. Uh, you got Peyton Sanford. I had to double check myself. They're both P Sanford, but Peyton Sanford, I think is a really intelligent shooter uh, has had some flashes on the defensive end. He's six, seven. I think he's somebody that could easily explode this year. And with now no Murray's at Iowa, just to be clear, there's nobody with the last name Murray uh, on that roster. And then also his brother, Price Sanford, who's an incoming 6'6 freshman, shoots the lights out. Like, I, I I think even in the preseason reports, he's been killing it. But I really like those two guys as well. What are your thoughts on the freshman from Indiana? Um, the, the guy, his name slips my mind, committed to Duke. Oh, McKenzie? Yeah. I, I can't say the last name. I liked him a lot. When I watched him with – because he was DJ Wagner's teammate – in uh in EYBL with the New Jersey Scholars, right? So I liked his game. I thought he was thought he was advanced for high school at the time. I saw him in the 16 U's. And in the 17s, it just kind of looked like everyone else just caught up to him a little bit more. And then the whole I think it's meaningless, but it's still something he's gonna get asked about a lot and it's gonna play into the intel. But like the arrest doesn't help his stock. He didn't measure that well at McDonald's. Like I've been searching all week to try and find it. If you can help me find it, that'd be awesome. If you can find his wingspan, I'd love it. But I remember it being close to square. It wasn't anything impressive. That's worrisome. He's about six nine, I think, maybe six ten with a sub seven foot wingspan. I've seen six eight. I didn't want to say it to be off. I thought it, that was in my head. I was like, I thought I saw six eight, but I was like, nah, he's a four. He's probably six nine. So yeah, six eight. I mean, he's measuring poorly. It's a rough start for his draft process. What position do you think he is? Because, I mean, there are people that I've spoken to that feel like he could be the breakout fresh. I actually had someone tell me they think he could be this year's Brandon Miller. Someone that people are saying, oh, you know, it was a first-round pick, possible first-round pick, teens, late 20s, that could have a strong freshman year where he shoots the ball well and skyrockets to the top half of the draft. I mean, to me, that's a stretch. But then again, at this time last year, a lot of people didn't think that was possible with Brandon Miller in a strong class. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's – it's tough. I think he's a natural power forward. I don't know what the lineups are going to look like. Again, kind of like going back to the Coel Ware stuff, right? Coel Ware's going to play center. Malik Renault is probably going to be the power forward. I would think he would get the nod over McKenzie just because of experience. Do you play McKenzie at the three? I mean, that's kind of it's it's almost like the magic in a way, right? Where it's these ultra big lineups. I'm interested to see how they go, but he can step out and hit threes. Like it's not out of his wheelhouse. Is he a wing? I don't think so. And that's really the that's really where I'm like, this is why I'm lower on him than than so many other people. It's just he's not a wing. He's an undersized power forward. Maybe he maybe that changes in the in the season where he starts popping out hitting threes. Like that's gonna be the big thing, but. I just I'm not there yet. All right, last prospect I want to get your thought on. Coleman Hawkins. I like him. I think his game is intriguing because he's tall, he can shoot, he can pass. 
But I want to see him shoot? be a little. What'd you say? Can he shoot? You said he can shoot, but he can has potential he shoot? too. It's it's theoretical right now. In game, it is not practical. Um, I think <laughs> he's got to be able to find ways to score though that aren't shooting. Like, and also, I think he's just a little bit too pass first is probably the best way I would describe his scoring package um, because he just didn't score that much. And a lot of it is, I think he's just like, if the open three or the, you know, if he saw the three that couldn't be taken away, he would shoot it. If there was a challenge he did, I think shy up a lot more as a score. And to me, that's a big thing. I don't know how to say this without sounding really critical. He is the biggest tease in college basketball. When you watch his film, you're like, the shot looks good. It looks good. But three years of under 30% from three, three years of under 70% from the foul line. So it's like, are there touch issues? Because it looks good. Like, it looks, the form looks good. When you watch him, you can just vision like, all right, he's this modern day four that can shoot the ball. He could pass. He can make plays. And you're like, if he could only shoot the ball good. I mean, his first career, his shooting splits are 43, 28, 64. And it's year three. Like, it's not, well, well this is year four, I should say. It's not like he's a freshman. I just think like he is a huge tease. And so the guy that to me was the biggest tease the last two years before was his former teammate, Matthew Mayer. I felt like Matthew Mayer was a guy like you're like, he checks boxes, like athletic. Yes. Does he have size? Yes. Can he shoot? Yeah. But Matthew Mayer should have left when Baylor won the championship. Yeah. Yeah. He overstayed his college welcome, I think. Yeah. So with Coleman Hawkins, do you think that if he has one year of, let's say, 35% from three and 74% from the line with his skill set, do you think he could sneak into the first round? I think first round is going to be tough. It, he's always he's also, though, at the same time, like he's one of those guys that if you didn't have, like if you were watching in the 1950s or 1960s, right, and there was – no synergy. There were no basketball reference. And you and you were in an open gym and you were like, pick out the shooter. And Coleman Hawkins is one of those guys. So I think if he had a great year, I think teams would be quick to just go, yep, that's it. I, I've seen enough. But even going back to high school, like I pulled up some of his stuff on synergy. Like it's it's still inefficient. I, I honestly did not realize that it was this low. I knew it was underwhelming. I didn't know it was this bad. I mean, with, with Dream Vision, catch and shoot, 28%. He, he split time between two uh, two teams, but uh, actually, nope. Synergy just labeled it wrong, and yeah, he he struggled. Like he wasn't much of a shooter back then, too. So I wonder if it's something where it's do they trust the eye test and seeing his form is pretty? We just want to see results come in. Is it a process? It's fine, but the results just are lagging, and now the results are catching up. If this does happen, or will they view it more as a fluke? I'm torn. I lean towards the former. Yeah, I just, like I said, to me, he's the biggest tease because when you watch him on film, you're like, oh, this guy got some stuff to him. And then you start watching more film 
And you're like, okay, he's missing a lot of shots. Okay, let me pull up the numbers. And it's like, oh, if the shot didn't look good, we would label any other player as a non a non-shooter. <laughs> but for him, it's like, are we giving him the benefit of the doubt? Because the shot looks good. It's not like the form is broken. It's 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 a very weird situation. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Richard gave us top prospects in the Big Ten. And in the next episode, Richard's going to share his thoughts on the top prospects in the ACC. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen. We are out. <laughs>